0: Well, the rest of the passengers on the flight to San Francisco had no idea what they were seeing. For them, it looked like the typical beverage service of the flight attendants usually provide. They had come to each person asking what they wanted. They had brought the drinks. And now, as the flight was approaching its final descent, the passengers were using the restrooms and the crew was collecting trash. Most people had no idea that there was a rescue mission taking place. There was a savior on board and her name was Sheila Frederick. Sheila was one of the flight attendants and her airline had given her training on how to spot human trafficking. So when a well-dressed man came aboard with a young girl and the young girl was not well-dressed and she wouldn't make eye contact with the crew, Sheila enacted a plan. She went to the back of the plane and she prayed she asked God what she could do to get the girl away from the man so she could communicate with her. And she put her hand in her pocket, and she felt the pencil and the pad of paper that she had there. And she realized that she was leaning against the lavatory door. And so she wrote a note, and she put it in there for the girl. And she locked the lavatory door so that no other passengers could go in. And she then coordinated with the other flight attendant to distract the man so she could make eye contact with the girl. And that took some doing, because often these victims are told to never look up. But somehow, in answer to prayer in that moment, the girl looked up. And Sheila made a writing motion with her fingers and pointed to the lavatory. And the girl nodded ever so slightly. Then Sheila asked the girl directly if she needed to use the lavatory. And the man answered for her and insisted on going back with her. Sheila opened the lavatory door for her and then stood in the back next to the man because he wouldn't leave the girl's side. When the girl had finished and they returned to their seats, Sheila leapt into the lavatory to retrieve the note and it read, I need help, please save me. Sheila had only minutes because now they were on final descent and she got on the intercom to the pilot and explained what was happening. When they arrived, the other flight attendant announced that everyone should remain in their seats while they dealt with a small matter. And Sheila opened the airplane's door to meet the police. She showed them the note and the police boarded the plane and took the man into custody. Everything happened in plain sight, but most people, even us, move through this life seeing, but not really seeing. Seeing one reality, but not the ultimate reality. Most saw a beverage service. A few saw a rescue. Don't make that mistake with today's biblical text. Look closely, pay attention. There is so much more going on there. This is the story of Jesus's first trip into the temple as part of God's revelation of his rescue mission for the world. And this is the story of the few who have the eyes to see it. In this passage in Luke, you'll read the words redemption and salvation and the consolation of Israel. And those are all being used as synonyms of deliverance. It means to be rescued, to be saved. It had always been prophesied prophesied that the rescue would be for everyone, for the Jews and also the Gentiles. And that's that part of the story, the saving of the Gentiles, That's, that's what Luke will talk about a lot in Acts. And it was always also foretold that the people of Israel were the chosen people from whom the Savior would come. And Malachi's reading today told us how it would be. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Luke is careful to begin and end his gospel in the temple. And part of why that is important is so that you know that Jesus' parents were faithful to the law of Moses and to the law of the Lord, it says. Luke was referring to Leviticus 12, the first of nine references in his gospel to the Torah, but it actually goes back further to the pidyon haben, the redemption of the firstborn, and that's talked about in Exodus 13. In Exodus 13, the Lord gives directions for the Passover, and after he gives those directions, it says, on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. He delivered them. The consecration of the firstborn was always associated with deliverance. And then the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me the firstborn, whatever it is to first open the womb among the Israelites of human beings and animals, that is mine. Every firstborn male among your children you shall redeem. And when in the future your children ask you, what does this mean? You shall answer, by the strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. All of us are like that girl on the plane, being held captive, conscripted, told to look down. All of us have a land of Egypt, the place of our oppression that we need to be delivered from. And I don't know what your house of slavery looks like, but I know that you have one. It's a place where your role and your vision is limited. You're pressed and oppressed. You live that way because you're just trying to get by. You think if you just go along and keep the peace, it'll be all right or it'll go better for you. People still in Egypt worry about having enough straw to make bricks for someone else to build what they want to build. There's a pharaoh there, a tyrant, who thinks everyone else should build for him. He has so much power and he compels everyone else to work so that they can't even worship. The spiritual life is about coming into that awareness that there is something better for you, to see that God loves you so much that he comes for you to rescue you. You come to know a God who desires your worship and wants to give you rest and freedom. Whatever or wherever your Egypt is, whatever it is that keeps you from worshiping God fully, the story goes that God himself will deliver you from it. If you have eyes to see, like Simeon and Anna, that when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate their firstborn, it was really God himself finally coming into his temple. It was the long-foretold Messiah, the Savior, coming to rescue all of us from our enemies and from danger, from ultimately from sin and judgment. God came to his temple, not as a conquering warrior, Not as a political powerhouse, and certainly not as a wealthy member of society. His parents brought turtle doves, because according to Leviticus 12, you could bring those if you couldn't afford the sheep. No, when God came to his temple, he came as new life, sweet and innocent like a child. As Simeon took him in his arms, he praised God, saying... Master, now you, have dis- you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for glory of your people Israel. Episcopalians recognize this as the nunc dimittis, Latin for now you are dismissing. It said, as one of two regular canticles of evening prayer. And we say the word Simeon sang after a lifetime of waiting to see the Savior. It reminds us that whatever has happened that day, we are to have eyes to see the truth that God has come into his temple. Jesus has come into the world he built, and we are rescued. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. At the end of a long, hard day at school or the office or whatever place feels like your Egypt, Episcopalians light that candle of evening prayer to remember that Christ is the true light of the world. And that's a daily version of what's typically done today. The feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple, which is also called Candle Mass. It's 40 days from Christmas, the period of purification for mother and for the consecration of the firstborn to God. When the Holy Family entered the temple, his light was revealed. So we commemorate this day by blessing the candles of the church as a reminder of Christ, who is our light and our salvation At some point, you've been in Egypt, and it was a dark place until someone else shined the light for you, until someone told you the good news of God's saving grace. And then once you were in, you were baptized, and we gave you your very own candle, and we said, the light of Christ. That was a symbol of how you are now to bear that light into the world. Do you know someone who could use some light Is there someone that you see struggling, that they just seem to be trying to get by? Do they need help? Could you share your light? Tell them the story of your deliverance and that you know someone who can set them free from all of that. Be their light. When I was a little girl, I was raised in a Baptist church and they taught me a song. Maybe you know it too this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly pray that as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, so we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.